So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets. Welcome back to another episode of Smarter Vet Podcast. This is your co-host, Tom Seiko, and co-owner of Florida Veterinary Advisors. Today, I have a very fun guest on our show that we're going to be talking about some marketing stuff and being social. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And before we jump into that, I do want to make sure your attention, if you've not heard of it yet, make sure to check out our five-part video mini-series that we've created completely complimentary to you. It's the five foundational steps to financial balance, where you can learn how to get organized, how to protect yourself, how to manage your cash flow a little bit better, investing, and even be able to create a little bit more of a plan around your doing. So it'll give you some really good foundation. You'll have a link to that in the description, and you can also get to it by going to series, S-E-R-I-E-S dot flvetadvisors.com. So without any further ado here, so I've got the uh, a practicing veterinarian. So she's been practicing for quite some time, not as much as she used to, but she's definitely out there and out and about. And she's the founder of the social DVM. So if you've heard of her, dun, 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 she's here with us today. So I hope you're excited to hear about this, but I would like to introduce Dr. Caitlin DeWild. Um, thanks for joining me today, Caitlin. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think this is, yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun, I think, hopefully. I, I think so. We both have a good amount of energy and some enthusiasm, excitement, so. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, so for some people who aren't aware of you, I would love for you to give a little bit of background of just like, you know, how did you get started into the social DVM? Like how long you've been doing this with the social DVM? Like what is your, your goals behind it? Um, so if you could just give people a little bit more familiarity, I'd love for you to spend a couple of minutes on that. Sure. Yeah, thanks. So uh, I'm a 2009 University of Illinois graduate. So same colors as Florida. I'll I'll give you that. But um, so yeah, I and you know, I tell people all the time I speak with vet students a lot that if you had told me in 2009 or 2007 or whatever, um, while I was in vet school that this is what I would be doing with my career, I would have laughed you out of the room. I had every intention of being a mixed animal veterinarian back in rural Illinois and, uh, life, life has a funny way of changing your path. Right. So, um, but yeah, I became a veterinarian. I ended up moving to the St. Louis area with my, my husband, and we were going to just stay in the city in the urban area for just a couple of years. I was going to kind of get my feet under me and figure things out and just life took us in different directions. And I ended up working at a smaller practice in the outside of St. Louis. So it was, I like to call it a sub-rural area. Um, So it was on the edge of the city, but definitely a a different vibe out there. And I was brought into a practice by a veterinarian who was, had been there and been successful on his own um, for almost 25 years, right? No marketing, complete word of mouth, but no computers, no technology, no anything in the building. Wow. And I thought it would be fun to just, I, I was looking for a change of pace he needed somebody that was a little bit more adept at kind of figuring this thing out to move forward, to grow the practice and potentially be able to sell it in the future. Mm -hmm. So when I joined that practice, I kind of got to do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And luckily he 
kind of give me carte blanche to, to figure things out. And I started obviously getting us computerized and um, picking out different kinds of software that could help our efficiencies in practice. And one of the things that I started doing was marketing for the practice. There had been no marketing done. And I started using Facebook for our social media as a much easier time. So this is like 2013, maybe okay. that it was a much easier time to be on Facebook as a business. You didn't have to spend as much money for advertising and things like that. But I started using that as a, a primary social media platform for the practice. And I started seeing it really work and drive people into the building. And I'm pretty nerdy. So I was collecting a lot of data around that time. Like, does it work? How much Mm -hmm. time does it take? That kind of thing. And yeah, it, it was effective. And it was also around the same time that as a veterinarian, I was seeing people in their exam rooms before I would even finish talking about something, they were looking it up on their phone and they were Googling it and they were price checking things. And I was initially kind of annoyed by that, but then I realized they're just looking for the best information and we're not giving it to them, right? Absolutely. So I started seeing that as an avenue for social media as well and and other forms of marketing too. So I learned how to build us a very terrible website, (laughs) Um, but at least we had one, you know, and and exploring with some of those other, other avenues. And before I knew it, I, it was all working. I was really liking it other people started asking me to help them. And some of the people were here in St. Louis, some of them were reps. They weren't like our competitors, you know, as far as the other clinics, but hey, can you help us figure that out? And I love doing that, right? And then the reps were like, hey, could you come do a dinner lecture on this? And I was like, I guess, I don't know. All right, I'll, sure. And all of this kind of coincided at a time in my life when I was also realizing I had a very young family and I had um, no real extended family to help us in at the time. Mm. And I was working 70 hours a week, nights, every Saturday. And I was like, this, this is not a good work-life situation. I'm mm-hmm. not sure I believe in the world word balance, but it wasn't working at the time. And so um, I decided to just, let's, let's see what happens if I go part-time and I start doing the social media consulting on the side. And that was eight years ago. <laughs> and, eight years. So that yeah. puts you in, in 2013 then is around yeah. the time. Yeah. That's cool. So, yeah. It was a pretty quick, quick process. And I won't say it was perfect at times. I was like, this was a terrible <laughs> idea. And when my first son was old enough to kind of go back and go to daycare, go to school, I was like, this isn't working very well. Maybe I should go back. And I went back to become full-time veterinarian. I actually took a medical director position and then, of course, right when I thought things weren't working out on the consulting thing, then I went off. back to full-time. Then it took off. And then I was trying to do both. <laughs> and How did that, that work? It was definitely uh, a bad idea. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, it's it certainly ebbed and flowed. Um, luckily, now, not I'm doing it almost exclusively full-time now, cool. um, which is, I've been very grateful and very, very lucky for that, um, that opportunity to have presented itself. And it's, it's awesome because I get to do the best of both worlds every day. I get to practice when it's convenient and it works for my schedule and it works for the hospital schedule, right? So right. I, we're meeting both of those needs and I get to help veterinary people every day. So even if I don't directly get to help an animal, I'm helping a vet take something off their plate so that they can help more animals um, or be 
happier in their own lives as far as like the workflow and process situation goes. So I think it's great because I get to talk to different kinds of vets all over the country. You know, I, I joke, I have one client that is um, a dairy veterinarian. And even oh, yeah. though I grew up in a rural area and I grew up around cows and I thought I would be a, a mixed animal vet, but in my area, it was only beef cattle. Um, I, re- I really know nothing about dairy cattle. And I'm like, this is fascinating to me that we have the same degree and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> like I've, your day looks so different than mine as a small animal veterinarian or even as a mixed animal vet, it's fascinating to me. I was like, we can talk about like chocolate milk. I I have things to say about that, but that is literally all I know what you're talking about at all. Of course. It's awesome to me that there's just such a variation um, in this profession, but that was a very long intro. I'm sorry. No, that's, I think it's awesome to hear that story because it's like, you know, sometimes people feel like they got to do one thing or the other. And I think it's it's definitely inspiring for those two who are looking to adventure off a bit more as well, because you you managed to pull it off where it started off slow. You started working your way over and now it's something that you're doing a little bit more more of. And then you can, if you want to be a veterinarian, you can be a veterinarian as well, um, yeah. which is just so interesting too, because I was having a conversation with someone the other day and she, you know, works a typical nine to five job. And she's over here like, well, I, w- I want to start a business. And it's like, I was talking to her a little bit about just like, you know, we got to first figure out what you want to do. Let's get a little bit organized. And is there a way we can start slow? So you're not having to completely give up that, uh, the security that your job right. is producing for you. And then you can transition over. So, right. but that's cool. I, I appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure the people who are listening are, are going to love to hear this too. So I'm I'm curious. So being in the being part of social media and all this marketing stuff that you're doing, uh, if you were to look at practice owners and people that are trying to build more of a presence online, where do you see that is the biggest challenge or the thing that most people are not aware of that they should be doing that you f- you feel like that's hurting their overall growth and success that they could be doing? Oh gosh, it's it's hard to narrow down. And I don't mean that in a way that's like, oh, they're doing so many things wrong. <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah. that at all, but it's so different at every practice, right? Mm-hmm. But, and there are so many avenues that I think vets could do a better job in. But I think, you know, if I had to pick one, it's really knowing why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of vets, I think, practice owners, practice managers, whoever's in charge, but really it comes down to at the practice ownership level even if they're not the ones that are doing it, but they need to, for the practice, decide why is it that you're doing it? I think a lot of practices post on social media because they think they're supposed to post on social media, right? There are, there are practices that don't need social media at all, which is hilarious for that to come out of my mouth. There are practices that need to have a presence on all five to seven channels, right? And daily, right? It just depends on the goals and the hopes and dreams and the budgets, time and money budgets of of the practice. And it's different at every level. But I think so many people, when I do a consultation about strategy or training or any of that, I ask them, okay, so why are you using social media? Mm. And they can't answer the question. They're just like, well, we have to. Why? Why do you have to? What is your what is your objective for using it? Is your objective to bring in more clients before uh, I don't know 
March 2020. That was most people's objective. Um, but then it was quickly like, no, don't bring any clients in at all. Right. It was a very different objective, right? Like now, now the objective is hold hold the phone here, folks, and literally don't also call us. Uh, yeah. We need you to do this, right? Or this is what you need to know. So the objective changed to more of this is how we can spread information, right? But other practices, it, it may not be booking appointments at all. It may be instead building loyalty with the people you have so you don't lose them. Maybe you're losing clients to a splashy new competitor, right? So mm-hmm. I think you can't do anything else until you know why you're doing it. I think that's awesome you bring that up because there's actually a practice owner that we were speaking with recently who's trying to sell And of course, it's part of like the overall, and I I do have a point behind this, that he's trying to sell. And of course, a lot of your, uh, being a practice owner, a lot of your value of your business is going to be based on the profits or EBITDA of what your practice does. And part of it, as we were doing a more thorough analysis with one of our partners, he was digging through the financials, trying to get things cleaned up, profit and loss and all that other stuff. And we find out that he's spending like $40,000 a year in marketing expenses. And we ask him, we're like, so you've been spending this for how long? One. And then two, it's like, well, what kind of return are you getting on this? Like, what is this really doing for you? And we find at the end of the day, he has no clue. He's never gotten any reports and he just keeps spending all this money on this marketing. I'm like, that's, that's something we need to cut out right now. Cause that's either going to be $40,000 of more income to you, or you can use it for other things to grow your business if you can. So I think it's really I don't think a lot of practice owners pay attention to that too, when they start implementing that, I would say. Well, and that, that would be like, when you first asked that question, honestly, that's probably my close number two, right? Is knowing mm-hmm. what your ROI is. And to be fair, it's very hard to quantify some of that in particular on social media. We're struggling uh, with it ourselves too. So yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really hard. It, to some degree though, it can be done. And I think so many people are just like, Oh, you can't quantify it. Let's not even try. Mm -hmm. But even just as simple as having that on your new client registration form, how did you hear about us? If somebody's and and being specific in the options that you present. So not just like online checkbox, like that's not helpful, right? But checkboxes for Facebook and Google and Instagram and Yelp and Nextdoor, that's a real way that you can say, okay, well, um, I spent $40,000 on Facebook and Instagram this year, and I got 97 new clients. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a better way to quantify that. Right. Even if, even if that's the only thing you do, that's the easiest and and first thing I I recommend is have it on your new client registration form. If that's your objective of using social media to drive people in, but even if it's not, it at least lets you know, is it bringing people in the door? Like that's, that's a big one. And I think a lot of people, don't, don't look at that. Um, which is, which is scary. (laughs) It's scary. I mean, it's, you know, one of those things too, where it's like, I've always thought of it when, when you're, cause we're we're business owners ourselves as well. And, you know, you you should be very like cautious and understanding of like, when I am spending this money, is it really, is it really doing what I need it to do? Or am I just literally just taking it and, you know, putting it in the toilet and flushing it? Like, that's one of those things of like, you, you should be very cautious. And it's interesting that I just see sometimes with practice owners, it's like, we got to make sure, Hey, we, we know why we're doing this. What is the ultimate goal? And I think that's super awesome that you said, that's probably one of the biggest challenges they run into. Yeah. And I think, you know, especially now in the last year, it's been hard. And if you have to put it aside for a month or a short time, like I, I get that, 
right? But there are months that you're like, whatever, <laughs> we have bigger fish to fry or like, you know, patient lives have to come first. I totally get it. But, um, and like DEA inventory, things like that, payroll, like those are important things. Yeah. But, you know, this is something that just a few systems in place and a few, a few hours of thought can really make a huge difference in, in the effectiveness. And it can also help you decide, do I continue this? Like you mentioned that, right? Like with that particular practice owner, there are practices that that changes and in which platform and honestly, yeah. just the way the world goes, which platform, right. That you want to spend your money on. But Two so years ago, I would have been like, don't even touch Instagram. And now I'm like, what you're not using it. Eeks. Like just depends. Well, what's so interesting about that too, that if you were to cut that expense out of his business too, well, let's just say he was going to get a, a five or a six times multiple of his profits. You know, that's another, uh, what is it? Five times that's 200,000. Right. That's $240,000 of extra practice value now that right. like, if it's not returning a return to him and you can recover it and his business is going to be the same as it was before, like that's good. It's more money in his pocket. It's increasing his value. So, but it's all, it all comes down to the purpose at the end of the right. day, like you said. So, exactly. well, the, the shift gears here. So like being in the social DVM in your company, you know, what would you say are some of the top things that like, as you're engaging with practice owners, like how are you supporting them and what are the things that you're helping them do? Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I started the social DVM, I was like, I will just do social media for them. I'll take this off their, their plates. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that was terrible, right? Number one, (laughs) it's, it's just not effective. It's not good. And I was realizing that what I was preaching about in lectures and speaking was the opposite of what I was doing. (laughs) So we've really shifted the business um, to predominantly training. So I think that if you have somebody in your practice that has an interest and has the ability and the time um, to to manage not just social media, but marketing in general. So social media, um, email, website communications, you know, uh, even within some practices at, at an app level. Mm-hmm. Um, so really working with somebody to number one, define their strategy. And then number two, train somebody that's on the ground because that's where the best content comes from. So we spend the bulk of our time doing training now. Um, or, or strategy, but I would say most of it's, you know, a strategy conversation first, right? Figuring out what the goals are and then working one-on-one with um, a person generally for somewhere between six and 12 weeks to like slowly, because it's so much stuff, right? If you're not used to it and you're not experienced or it's hard to get like training specifically in marketing and social media, especially in the veterinary industry. Right. So if there is, you know, a kind of a bite-sized approach is, is our, our method of working most of the time. Um, we love doing that. Cause then we, I call it, I call them my baby birds, basically <laughs> that we, we, you know, help them along and we, we then eventually let them fly on their own. And it's awesome to see what they do at that point for their own practices so that it's really authentic and it really represents the culture of the practice. Because at the end of the day, we all have the same vets and degrees and drugs and access to the vendors and things like that. The things that make practices different are the people there and the culture. And the only way to market that, especially with the kind of emotion and the kind of awesome stories that we can tell is somebody on the ground. Right. That's, that's cool that you bring that up. So, cause like we've definitely been working on things similar to ourselves like that, because it's like that element of where people are just posting things just to post stuff and they don't really have a strategy to it. Then it's like, it, it won't have the same impact and right. 
the cute puppy pictures only go so far. And yeah, I know. You cute. don't even know, you, you've got you've got some office puppies. You could you could post those, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have, we have a few different dogs, and our, our team has a few different dogs yeah. we can post. But uh, but it's yeah, hard. So, and you guys are restricted, right, on, to some degree with some of your what you're legally allowed to to post and things. That's hard. we we can post puppy pictures all day long, but there when you we go. start talking about certain other things, yeah, there's some limitations on it. But the puppies. You know, I'll post my little dog Theodore every so often and, and put them <laughs> online. But of course it's, you know, only does so much, uh, right. you need right. a lot more engaging content and things to help understand the audience more. But I'm, I'm curious. So like being, you know, you're helping coach them up and you want them to be able to start taking things on their own. Are you usually with the practice for, you know, you help them, you help them get going and then you just let them be there and then you check in with them every so often. And mm-hmm. yeah. is that usually how you work? Yeah, it, it kind of depends on the practice and again, their goals and their, their sometimes it, it really relates back to their availability and their time budgets, right? So budget to me is not just a money concept, but it's a time and an energy concept as well. But uh, a lot of times we will work with them for, you know, three to six, sometimes nine months, and then I usually check in on them every, of course we continue to follow them. So I can kind of creep on them anyway, but (laughs) you know, if something comes up, like they get a new associate or they're adding a new service, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of practices that we had worked with previously came back to us during the pandemic because they were like, Oh crap, how do I do this? How do I convey this? How do we, how do we work on workflows and things like, um, digital forms and how do we communicate that we have telemedicine or how do we communicate that people can't come in the building, but we're still trying to show them how compassionate we are. Mm-hmm. And so kind of coming up with those new concepts um, is always, is always really fun and getting to work with people you've worked with before, but generally it's kind of on an, an as needed basis after that. So it's, it's nice though, over, over the years, now that we've been doing this a few years to really see some of these practices come into their own and, and be able to take on these new challenges. And sometimes they don't need us at all, which is fine too. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, let's, let's see someone who is listening right now. They're like, yeah, this all sounds awesome. And I think it'd be good to like take a look at this, see if we can restructure things, make sure we're not kind of just spending money on things to spend it. How, how would someone reach out to you? Would they go to your website? Would they send you an email, give you a call? Yeah, website's great. Or it can follow me on social media, of course, uh, at the social DVM. But, and our website is www.thesocialdvm.com. But yeah, just any, however it's convenient, carrier pigeon, whatever you got. But okay. um, yeah, I love having those initial conversations and seeing, is there a way that we can work together? Is there a good way that we can, you know, maybe take a look at what, technology and marketing you're using? Is there a way that we can help make that better? Okay. Well, for, for everyone who is listening right now, I will make sure to include that in the podcast description. So please take a look at that if you want to reach out. And, you know, one last thing to ask you, Caitlin, sure. if you were an animal, what, what animal would you be? Oh, it's so tricky. There's so many. Uh, I, I would probably, uh, oh gosh. I, I would probably be like, I would like to come back as one of my own animals. Right? Yeah. I would like to be a pet owned by me because they have like such a great life. But yeah. uh, I, I would, I would be a dog, man. I'm not going to lie. Like there's, they're just like the, the best thing about the world. Really? Like, they're, they're just always awesome. happy too. Like... They're always happy. And they're like, not only are they happy, they're like, how can I make you happy? Like, how can we be happy together? Right. They're just the like, <laughs> most, except for those like, you know, tiny angry chihuahuas, but the rest of dogs are just like, Hey, 
you want to go outside? Okay. You don't want to go outside? You want to watch a movie? Okay. Like they're just so happy. And I, I honestly wish that, uh, not that I'm not happy, but <laughs> I, yeah. I wish I could like always have that level of positivity and like the like constant, like, let's be happy together. Like they're just, they're just fun. And I just love it. So yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I think this is the first time that anyone's ever said that um, on the show so far. And I think that's great. So awesome. uh, keeping it, keeping it fresh and new. So yeah. anyway, it's been awesome talking with you, Caitlin. I appreciate your time here. Uh, yeah. And I, I, I definitely think this was some really good things that you've been sharing here today. And uh, so. any, for, for all of you who are uh, still listening to us right now, uh, if you want to check out Caitlin, you want to go see the social DVM, connect with her, uh, make sure to definitely reach out. Uh, again, too, there is our five-part financial, our series that we create, our video series. And uh, if you haven't taken a look at it, definitely make sure to look at it. The link is in the description. And again, Smarter Vets, it's been great talking with you. This is Tom Seco wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race-approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Veneer Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. 2021 121 expires May 2023.